0: is a bloody disgusting podcast network want something
1: really
2: creepy. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio.
1: I'm Leo. I'm Lauren.
3: I'm Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome home. To the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 339. So if you're listening to this at time of release, this is the Tuesday after the Jennifer's Body-themed Club Night that we co-sponsored along with Liquid Death. It was an event put on by the Mystic Museum. It's an incredible store, meeting place, rotating exhibit space, and hub of the L.A. horror community. They took over a historic bar and restaurant in North Hollywood called The Federal, and we all paid tribute to one of the greatest movies ever made jennifer's body Woo! and uh, what did everybody think
1: i was blown away it was really it was awesome really fun
3: yeah the detail of everything that was set up because they had photo ops and they had the whole place decorated to be kind of like the devil's kettle football homecoming kind of setup
4: right yeah we, totally They yeah, had the exact like like if you watch the movie like you watch the, the dance scene where uh Towards that part where Needy realizes, like, oh damn, I gotta go find my boyfriend. Yeah. Like they have they have the exact tree, like those white colored trees. And they have the exact uh banner that said welcome home devils. But, welcome, welcome back devils, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like almost a setup from that dance almost. It was, oh, pretty it was cool.
3: Incredible. Even the lockers, if you if you went out on the patio, they had the lockers set up for a photo op. And the interior of the locker Matched almost exactly to the one of Needy's in the film. Right. Like all the different little stickies and post-its and pictures that she had in her locker. It was so freaking awesome. <laughs> and, and also, speaking of that, my God, the cosplayers had oh, showed up.
1: That was the best part. Wow. Yes. <laughs> there was a girl dressed like Jennifer Check, and she did not stop moving. The whole entire night Like she was there From the second it started till the second it ended
3: Oh like dancing Yeah Dancing Dancing up a
1: storm I Yeah Couldn't even believe it I saw her ass So many times
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey the music was
3: really good It was It was good Yeah my ass was (laughs) Jumping up and down too Yeah The DJ was outstanding His name was DJ Jaden Seeley And the music was all like MySpace era Emo Pop punk Screamo stuff It was so awesome Yeah And Jaden's from the band uh, With Confidence right? Yep that's right That's right Yeah And then Eric From the Mystic Museum His band played. So Eric plays bass In this band called Too Bad So Sad they were playing songs by like The Used and My Chem yep. and Fallout Boy, and those songs are not easy songs to play. I think for n- not even for everyone in the band, including the but the vocals too, right? Those are like right vocally challenging songs requiring yep. harmonies, and they were pulling all that off. It was really outstanding. Half the time I was like, "Is that The Used on stage?" Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. you know they did Ocean Avenue and all these great songs. It was so so much fun.
1: Yeah, it was a yeah. really really good time.
3: Leo, did you end up having anything from the the bar menu or the food stuff that they had there cuz it was all Jennifer's body themed stuff?
4: I checked it out. I, I didn't uh, I didn't grab anything, but I, I noticed the drink menu which was pretty awesome, man. They had these drinks like straight themed after the movie like the RIP Colin, I am a god. They had what the salty morsel. So. <laughs> yeah, we had some pretty cool themed drinks, and people were really digging them. I saw a lot of people, you know,
3: order, ordering a variety of these. Yeah, Lauren and I had uh, we each had the Devil's Kettle.
1: It was yeah, it was really good.
3: Yeah, it was loaded with fresh raspberries. It was pretty awesome. Nice. And then oh yeah, we had food too. We, it was the Devil's Kettle High Lunch Menu. It was called, and we had the grilled chicken skewers and uh, the house fries, which were <laughs> herb garlic Parmesan fries. I was all about them. Nice. so good. I grabbed a bunch of them and sat and sat with Joe Risotto out in the back and uh, talked about uh, all things horror, which is always great. Him and his girlfriend Karen, who are the best. We had a great time with them that night. And also, oh, we we met that uh, the one girl who came back. Maybe she's listening to the show right now, Leilani. Leilani, are you listening? It's the oh. booth crew saying, "Hey, thank you so much for dropping by our booth."
1: Yes. Yes. I, I love her name, and I told her. You remember. When I was pregnant with our first kid, my mom wanted me to name our first baby Leilani. I forgot
3: about that. That's and right. It
1: was a contender, but we had our baby on Valentine's Day, so I kind of thought Scarlet kind of fit the bill. Red.
3: What else are they gonna say? Oh, best cosplayer. Do you do you guys have a memory of best cosplayer the whole night? Because we had a lot of. There was a wide variety. There were some people dressed as Colin Gray. There were some people dressed yes. as a teacher with the hook hand. I yes. saw a, lot of, a couple yeah, of those. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. yeah, J.K. Simmons. And, of course, Jennifer Check in different stages. They had her, her flag girl outfit, which we actually brought her screen-used flag girl outfit and her prom dress. And we had those on display by our booth. Personally, I thought that, well, there was two sets of girls. I think both of them you had on your on our, our Insta stories. It was the girl who showed up in the, the white parka that Jennifer wears after coming back from the van, the events in the van. That we oh got, yeah. She was all bloody. Yeah. She, with the black tar kind of coming down her and everything in the yeah. blood, her outfit matched exactly.
4: She yeah. She like, looked really know.
3: good. And then we had that, uh, you know, the two who came in as a kind of the, the duo, right? The needy and Jennifer, fresh from the prom and the one girl had the fangs in her mouth too right
1: so cool yeah
3: it was so much fun
1: and it went by so quick i felt like we got there and we danced well i danced it was really nice i was dancing yeah because our kid wasn't there that makes fun of me because she doesn't think that i should be dancing or moving (laughs) to any songs like it's not okay at all um and i was like you know what i can just let loose and do my thing and um our friend carmen came
3: yeah we hadn't seen her forever so it was good yes to hang. she
1: was there to support us so i really appreciate that it was fun to catch up
3: personal highlight fucking ryan levine Oh gosh. from yes. from the actual band that in the movie, if you haven't seen it, there's a band called Lowell Shoulder, and the lead singer of that band is played by Adam Brody. He plays this guy, Nikolai. His right. singing voice is done by this guy, Ryan Levine. And Ryan Levine was responsible for composing the song that Low Shoulder sing throughout the movie called Through the Trees. And in the movie, to make things even more confusing, Ryan Levine plays one of the members of the band in the film. But Ryan Levine is the actual singer right. of this song. So he showed up, performed the song for the first time in 10 years. And I got chills. Being a part of that experience.
4: I I felt the same way, too, because it just—it was just like nostalgia, you know? Yeah. But then he told the story right in the beginning of how he lost his record deal.
3: Oh, yeah. He lost his record deal right before getting
4: this game. Right before. And the crazy thing is, in the movie, the band wins a record deal, right? Yeah. Because of the whole sacrifice thing. Yeah. Like, they get to fame. They get famous. So, it's kind of like opposite how real life played out for him yeah exactly
3: exactly but that song meant so much to him and it was great to hear that story and of yeah. course to hear that i felt like i was a part of jennifer's body cinema history so that what a what a fucking night
1: and it was great to see yes. aletha and david yep. showed up and they had a good time and i talked to Alitha, who said she recently went to her first concert ever which was Ice Nine Kills, which is such a what a great
3: first concert! My God, what was your first concert? My very first concert, without hesitation, it was Beach Boys opening up for Extreme. I think was it Beach Boys and Extreme on the same tour? No, no, it wasn't. It was Beach Boys (laughs) was my first concert. The second one was ZZ Top and Extreme. Extreme open for ZZ Top
1: wow yes leo you're
4: oh man concert? you're not gonna believe this um i guess i was 13 or so it was my cousin's best friend her boyfriend uh had a band called jasmine sunrise okay they played the troubadour like every week and the opening band always for them was no doubt oh wow. shit wow how crazy was
3: that
1: that is <laughs> so
3: you got to see no doubt in the early early stages oh, of no doubt
4: like way yeah like long time ago and it's so weird that that was that whole sunset strip vibe you know and those bands were you know just around you know before we even before they even changed and became huge stars you know? yeah lauren how about you
1: i want to say my first concert was probably new kids on the block that's a pretty good first concert. Yeah, it was really exciting. I remember going to that. And then my first concert that I went to by myself without my mom was Weezer. And she sat in the car and cried the whole time that I was gone because she was afraid I was going
3: Were you with any friends no. or did you just walk a... in yourself? No, I was with a friend. And you're safe at a Weezer concert.
1: Yeah. It was at the Palladium. (laughs) She was like, oh, those ruffians. Right. It's not not like like, a
3: Slipknot concert or Cannibal Corpse or something. Weezer. That's, you know, you're in good hands. Harvard grad, Rivers Cuomo, right? Did he? He graduated from Harvard, right? Yeah. I know he went there for a while. Yeah. That was the story.
1: I should have told her that. It was a really good show. But (laughs) yeah, she was really scared. And she wouldn't. I remember I wanted to go to a Nirvana show and I was going to get tickets or maybe I had tickets and she wouldn't let me go because she said that I wasn't ready yet. And she was like, you'll go next time. Like they're they're going to come back. They These c- concerts, they happen every couple years or a year. You'll see them next time. You'll be a year older. And I was like Kurt Cobain. Killed himself and I never got to see Nirvana.
3: Oh, well, who would have known, right? That's crazy. But you did run into Dave Grohl on an airplane shortly after, right? That's
1: right. And I flew with the Foo Fighters on the way home from Seattle and I drove them crazy. (laughs) How old are
3: you you when this happened?
1: (laughs) I want to say I was probably like 15.
3: You have a photo too. I do. Photo evidence. You should post it on the Instagram.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah, And let me tell you, Dave was so nice. He answered all the millions of questions I had. And trust me, I had millions like about Nirvana and Foo Fighters. I mean, he was just a class act.
3: Have you literally sat there and just kind of interviewed him basically on your own accord and...
1: Yeah, like my brother... <laughs> no shame at all? My brother was like, go ahead, sure.
3: <laughs> that's hilarious. He'll be
1: really that's excited funny. to to see you, to know that you care so much. And I was like, oh, right, of course. God, God bless him.
3: Oh, that's an incredible experience. Very, very cool. And good on... Uh... <laughs> Good on your bro for supporting that, too. Oh, egging well, he you got, on.
1: You gotta get rid of me. Right. right. He was like,
3: has, he's like, I don't have to sit so beside the floor.
1: <laughs> That's That's why That's the greatest thing ever.
3: Oh, I forgot. Weird little footnote for my first concert with Beach Boys. John Stamos was the drummer for the entire set.
1: Oh, like oh wow. Full
3: House? Yeah, they toured with That's John crazy. Stamos as their drummer. It was during, I think, the Kokomo days, right? John Stamos in the video for Kokomo. Oh, I remember. Oh, playing wow. drums. Yeah. But he was their drummer for the whole set. That's I was so excited. I, awesome. I love Full really? House. You probably loved Full House at the oh, time, right? Of it's like the best show ever.
1: Everybody loves Full House.
3: Yeah. Leo, you love Full House. Leo still loves Full House.
1: Even if you don't. <laughs> he like loves Full
3: House. House more than horror. For,
4: yeah, I love it for Auntie. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Who? Oh my God. <laughs>
3: And Becky, her name, Auntie, Aunt Becky? Auntie
4: Becky, that's
3: why I love. Full House. Oh my god! You know, most of the times that we have to watch like horror movies to prepare like horror screeners for doing interviews and stuff. Leo doesn't actually watch them because he's watching Full House, <laughs> catching up on old episodes. So we have to like kind of like catch him up on the horror movies.
4: What, wasn't she? Wasn't she in uh, Chelsea's movie? Chelsea Sardis. And
1: Becky? No. Yeah, Reb- Rebecca mistaken. Romaine Stamos was in it.
4: Oh. Oh, Rebecca
3: Romaine. Yeah, Rebecca Romaine, Romaine okay, Stamos. Right, his, his, wife, his, actual, his, his actual, his actual wife. wife. Yeah, not his TV. <laughs> well, it was
1: his ex-wife, right? Because
3: I get. Yeah, that's right. Jerry yeah. is it Jerry Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. 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 Is it Jerry Connell or Jerry O'Connell? I Am I making oh. him Irish?
1: No, I think it's. An he o. is Irish.
3: Is it O'Connell. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> The show's going down the tubes very quickly, and we're trying to make it so we don't edit anymore. (laughs) This stuff, right? We should seriously rethink that. No, but
1: they want to hear this.
3: They want to hear this. They want to
1: hear us mess up.
3: Okay. Well, speaking of messing up, uh, today on the show.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, nice segue.
3: An unfortunately cut short chat from Midsummer Scream that we did because... Someone
1: cannot learn how to properly use the sound
3: sound recorder. (laughs) This is the second time this has happened at Midsummer Scream. The first time I put in a disc that didn't have enough uh, space on it. This time I didn't swap out the batteries and it died (laughs) after 35 minutes. So That's funny. So there you go. But yeah, so we were at Midsummer Scream. It's kind of the Comic-Con of horror if you're unfamiliar. It happened back July 29th, 30th and 31st in Long Beach, California. So we got to do a panel and trailer reveal for Spirit Halloween the movie. It's available on VOD October 11th. It's a gateway horror film that looks really cool. We talked to writer Billy Bates, cinematographer Andy Kugler and producer Noor Ahmed. All about the film, what it is, what it isn't, and I think you're going to be surprised. Is the backstory to how it all came together is is pretty fascinating.
1: I'm really excited to see this one.
3: Yeah, I mean after it, the panel, yeah, it looks stormed. fun. Something fun around the Halloween season that also we can get our youngest kids in on the horror bandwagon without yes. freaking them out too much. Still looks like it's got a lot of scares, but more in the sense of like house with a clock in its walls, night books, hocus pocus, goosebumps. Sort of feel to it, which is perfect to get kids and the whole family all around a horror film.
4: Can't wait, man! It looks it looks fantastic, and we had a great time, had a great time chatting with all of them. And uh, it by far, was I think our largest uh, crowd we've ever had, right? Watching the, our panel live, I believe so. Yeah, that thing was
3: it was incredible. The, I got to say, Dave Markland and Rick West know how to put on a show, and the stage setup was immaculate. There's video, video going on. Singing ghosts. Singing ghosts. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that nice pre-roll with the ladies yeah. saying her names and everything before we walk yeah. on. I feel I like, it's feel incredible. Feel like,
1: what would these people do? Like if they did a stage show for Metallica.
3: Right? Like what would that
1: look like? Oh it would my be crazy. God.
3: It'd be the yeah. best show Metallica ever did right
1: they have such a talent
3: (laughs) and metallica at least i bet they would remember to maybe stick a new set of batteries in their recorder unlike us yeah i'll take the fall i'll take the fall on this but you hear most of the interview (laughs) (laughs) the whole thing leads up to the trailer reveal which you will hear as well and then after we talked about stuff that uh you know i guess if you weren't there you didn't miss much. We got we got we got the meat of the matter right right in what you're gonna hear. I'll, I'll just say that even though that's not true. <laughs> just to make myself feel a little better.
1: <laughs> just listen to make Trevor feel better. Exactly. Please.
3: Exactly. But a lot of great info came out came out in the yes, first half, right? It
1: did. It really did. Yes.
3: Everything you need to know anyway. So yes. check it out. Our chat with the folks behind spirit halloween the movie on the boo crew podcast episode 339 now slaying
2: go ahead scream that's all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy
4: halloween is upon us how you guys doing
1: (laughs) i am leo i'm lauren
3: and i'm trevor and we are bloody disgusting's boo crew thank you guys so much for being here really appreciate it it's awesome so we're here to have a discussion and a sneak peek of the brand new film, Spirit Halloween, coming out this October. It, they're wrapping up post-production right now, and you guys are going to get an exclusive sneak peek at this. So it comes courtesy of Strike Back Studios, Hideout Pictures, in particular crowd, and today, You're going to be the first. This is unreleased footage, and uh, we'd like to welcome part of the incredible team behind this spooky family adventure. So first of all, after years of service in the Royal Australian Air Force, she became an award-winning screenwriter who was a fellowship recipient for NYWIFT's The Writer's Lab in 2018, supported by Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman, also winning the family category at Nashville Film Festival. Spirit Halloween is her debut feature length. Please welcome Billy Bates. Next up, we have an immensely talented cinematographer who's worked on scores of acclaimed short films, videos, documentary, and scripted projects for the music world's biggest stars. And he's also partnered with Disney. Uh, He's helped bring to life our favorite TV shows, including the four-time Emmy-winning Shark Tank and the 86-time Emmy-winning Saturday Night Live. Uh, Say hi to Andy Kugler. And finally, the president of Strike Back Studios. This guy's a visionary producer who's been a part of films and franchises that have really changed pop culture. Freddy vs. Jason, Twilight, 2018's Revisit of Suspiria, and the monumental films of Mike Flanagan, including Before I Wake, Gerald's Game, and Oculus. He is newer, Ahmed. Woo! <laughs> so feel free to tell everybody about your experience today on your social media and you can tag spirit halloween movie midsummer scream and tales from the boo crew because this is an independent movie and a real labor of love and as you know it's important to show our support for all things in the genre space so that it is a space that continues to be filled with incredible content and and creators so we want to begin where it all began inside the mind of the wonderful Billy Bates. So, Billy, just tell us a little bit about your background, first of all, and discovery of just your love of screenwriting.
0: Yeah, hi. Um, Well, I discovered screenwriting by accident when I'd been writing some women's fiction novels um, in my 20s after I'd been a corporate flight attendant. So I just thought, this is a crazy world to write about. And then uh, with some feedback, people had said, you need to turn this into a script. And I'm like, oh, there's people that actually write films I, you just think they just appear when you're not in the industry you know? and that just began like a 12-year journey of just I, it was my calling the way I'm not a beautiful writer but I understand structure and character arcs in a way that's just more mathematical that screenwriting just spoke to me in my mind and how it works and uh and that's where it was at and I mean Spirit Helping the movie was written five years ago when I was living in the Midwest And I was obsessed with Halloween having, you know, Halloween wasn't big in Australia so everything I knew about Halloween was the movies and it was just like this other world to me. And so the true passion and excitement for Halloween was what just drove and then when I had kids, you know, and their passion for it, it just kind of evolved out of that.
3: So Spirit Halloween, it's important to note, is not a documentary about the Spirit Halloween store uh, and although we love them, it's also not something that as Billy said, it wasn't commissioned as a marketing piece or anything like that. So this is all your original idea independently. So talk about kind of the origins of the entire script that it did it take place in a Spirit Halloween in, in the in the origin stage?
0: Well, it did actually, and um, I think the spark of an idea came I'd been writing mostly female-driven kind of raunchy comedies. And uh, my kids were like, when will you write something for us? And I'd also had some line budgets done on some of these scripts and this real understanding that, you know, to truly get something in a decent enough budget, it needs to be high concept but low budget. And I'm like, well, how would I ever come up with an idea like that? And I just look over from the lights and the store we just left, which was Spirit Halloween, which I'd go twice a week. <laughs> I would go twice a week with my kids, you know, just for the fun of it. They were much bigger 10 years ago, you know. But you can still find the good ones, the big ones. Um, and it just came to me pretty much fully formed as an external story. But then this idea of I have two boys under the age of 13, and this idea of just getting back to when movies cared about the characters. It wasn't just, yeah, you could... Get, get a cool hook and the kids don't have attention spans so get through it quick and I was like no like I want to tell a story about characters that you know the idea that growing up can be just as scary as the animatronics that might be coming to life in the story and letting go of your childhood friendships you know could be truly scary so just really embracing that people always compare it nor compares it to like movies from the Amblin era of entertainment and it's not homage in a way like a particular movies but it is that feeling of just simplicity and back to the characters I think that kind of drove it for me.
4: Billy was there ever a temptation to look at the script and say hey you know what we could really use is a lot of blood and gore and arms being rough, ripped off and creatures and monsters and blood everywhere?
0: You know that's probably not my vibe it's once I became a mom once I became a mom it was like and I was writing it for my kids like no way but you know they're the ones that said to me earlier "Oh, mom this feels like a like like a Five Nights at Freddy's, or this feels like it. And I had a look what they were talking about. I'm like, no, that's way, no, that's way too much. Or a Willy, what was it, Willy wonkers? Because I can't remember. There was some, there was some Willy's Wonderland, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, never yeah, going to be a slasher. Totally, yeah. It was, because to get into the character of it, it just, it just didn't go hand in hand with the <laughs> slasher genre. <laughs> so.
1: What do you think is so special about going to a spirit Halloween? What does it make you feel? I know I get a certain feeling any time I walk into that store.
0: Yeah, well, for me, it was just like being that little girl growing up where, you know, Hollywood and Halloween and America just felt like this magical place for me. And that was just an extension of that, like because we'd never experienced it. Apparently, it's more of a thing now. I've lived here 15 years now, but my sister tries to tell me it's a thing. But I think it was just, it was so unique and so magical and it felt so far away. And then I could step into that world and it just, the possibilities just, it just gave me that feeling of, Spooky with, it, but knowing you're safe. I, I don't know, I just love it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that said, is there any films that you had kind of going on in your mind that are baked into the DNA of this thing?
0: No, I wouldn't say so, to be honest. Um, I mean, inspirations just from a concept perspective, it's like, um, for me, it would be like a comp of Goosebumps and Night at the Museum, but mm-hmm. with a junior horror element. Sure. That was kind of maybe a comp, I don't know if I'd say baked into the DNA, but definitely just presents itself purely through the concept. You yeah.
3: know? And then Noor, you discovering the script, what was that like? And what, what, what about it made it special?
5: Well, I, I will say I was sent the script, I want to say, in June of 2021. I had been talking with a particular crowd who Billy had been working with for like two years up to that point. And we had been going back and forth about wanting to do a project. Um, Hideout Pictures, who I work with, we were in post production on a Western drama, Old Henry. It was set to premiere at the Venice Film Festival uh, in September, and we were trying to find our next project. And, and look, that's the heavy drama. We had done Ted K, which is a drama about Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. That had been the Berlin Fell Festival. So we definitely were looking for something lighter. And me in particular, crowd were just not figuring out what we wanted to do. And I, in a joking but frustrated way, was like, well, what do you guys have? What do you want to do? You don't like anything I have. And they were like, well, we've got this script Spirit Halloween, like, you should read it. And it was a super easy read, which is all I'm looking for in the entertainment world. Something that, you know, within five, ten minutes of reading a script, I either know if this is a good writer or not. And it just read well. And I breathed through it. Um, I sent it to my colleagues in Nashville and they were like, we, we all were like, we like this, like, let's do it. But there was no director, no financing, no nothing. And it's now like July and we're talking about releasing a film, you know, for the Halloween season in 2022. And maybe I didn't know any better, but I just was like, yeah, we should just do this. We'll shoot it by the end of the year. You know, COVID's going on, things are getting shut down. And no one ever sort of challenged me. I guess that's the, the joy of being the president of a company where I was like, we're going to do this. <laughs> and a particular crowd, they had said, you know, afterwards, they didn't say it to me, at the time. I think when we finished it and we started showing them footage, they were like, yeah, we didn't have any idea if you could pull this off. And we were just kind of like 50-50 shot, this works out at all. And they were even surprised that we pulled it off. I don't remember, Billy, how much we had you do Polishes or rewrite on the script once we got it. I think I asked you to beef up some characters for casting purposes, but I don't. I don't think it was a ton of work you had to do. It was. It was pretty much ready as I remember it.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think um, we're able to bring some a little bit of backstory back that they'd had me take out initially just for budget reasons. We're able to bring that back, but in a simplified version, which I think actually benefited the script. Um, but yeah, it was. There was some location stuff that David Pogue, the director. Um, had said, hey, this is what I've got access to, how can we work this in? But yeah, the script was as it was, I think, at that point.
6: Andy, when did you get a call about this script? Um, I think I got it maybe maybe June or so. Oh, okay, like, so you year got year. it Run. Right we all were, okay, right good. Right at the same time. So we didn't just
5: like, give you this and be like, you're shooting this, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice.
6: So
3: when it comes to Spirit Halloween finding out that this script and production is about to exist, when were they approached, and what kind of creative role, if any, did you kind of want them
5: to have in this in this whole process? Well, bill, you said it you You'd never talk to them. you were just writing it, and I don't think a particular crowd ever talked to them um and we kind of were like, "Well, we could just change it to like be whatever Halloween mega store and one of the other producers, my partner, Shannon Howhin, who's based in nashville, um he was like we should try and reach out to them. And he, he kind of was like, I know someone that knows someone over there, something very vague like that. And we kind of got a meeting set up, and our big pitch was, and I, and I think this was inherent in the script, where I went to them and I said, I'm not coming to you for like some brand sponsorship, partnership in this movie. Like, I'm not interested in that. Um, what Strike Back and Hide Pictures is trying to do, we wanted from a creative standpoint, it to feel very like organic that we weren't trying to do a marketing ploy like they were a part of this story and we sent them the script they they liked that this wasn't trying to be necessarily like and and spoiler this isn't some horror gory mess but they they we were trying to be family friendly we wanted to have a wide audience and and i said look guys like This is gonna be great for us because it isn't a brand deal. Like it'll feel very natural, like it's a very positive story. And and once again, to their credit, like they just got on board. I think they also were like and they've said it to me as well not too long ago. We weren't sure what we were signing up for. Like we weren't (laughs) sure like if this was real, like, you know, now it's all great. Now we're all best friends, we're Facebook friends, it's great. But at the time, um, I think everyone was like, "Are you guys serious? Like, you want to try and make this movie?" and 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 it's it's sort of about a store, but it's not about a store. And that was the brilliant thing, of, I think, of the script is that it's it's not about the store. Like, the store is there; it's the setting, obviously, and, and you'll see in the footage like it takes place there. But there's a real, genuine, organic story that I think Billy did a great job and and yeah, I don't I don't know if it was your plan, but like it worked out brilliantly. I think there's a lot of things with this film that just from a timing standpoint, worked out brilliantly, and, and everyone's really excited. We had our big premiere at the Spear Halloween Store grand opening yesterday. Um, we had all the, we had the four lead kids there. We're, we showed them the footage we're about to show you, and everyone is just you know it's it's full steam ahead for the release on October 11th. So it's you know to do that um, from when we shot it to getting it released. I mean that is I I'm not a production guy, so I'm not on set. So Andy, I don't know. Uh, how much work that was for you, but I, I thank you once again a lot. That was making it happen fast.
6: Yeah, I mean i think we were greenlit and shooting three weeks later. Something, yeah. something oh, to yeah. that effect and three of those weeks were casting. Yeah. So. A little bit. It was
5: it was a race. It was a race. A lot of things had to happen quickly basically is what I'm saying. Sure. But the
1: film's not done, correct?
5: The film we are we are in post. I think Andy has to still go look at the color correction and fit and make sure everything is perfect. But it is, it's done in the sense that, like I said, I wanted to show some footage. We we've started talking with the powers that be at Apple, Amazon, the streamers, everyone, because everyone just got behind um, a great story. And look, we, I think we have some amazing cast, but people just saw, this is a great idea. Why didn't someone do this? We're going to go make a Target movie next year. Who knows? <laughs> the Boo
0: Crew will be
2: Life back from Walt Disney Pictures, when three young friends opened a forbidden book, they let the cat out of the bag. Nice going, Max. And brought three real witches back to life. We are home. But when it comes to witchcraft,
1: why was I cursed with such idiot sisters? Oh.
2: They're a little out of practice.
1: So good.
2: Hocus Pocus.
1: Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating?
2: Rated PG. Starts Friday, July 16th at a theater near you.
3: we still got a couple more questions before we hit the uh, the big sizzle reel. But I wanted to talk just quickly about assembling the team and, and picking David Pogue to be the director, and then Andy as, uh, as cinematographer. So David, why was he chosen? Why was he the right guy for the you
5: job You know, David was someone, so uh, Hideout Pictures, they're based out of Nashville. Their parent company actually is uh, a music label. And they had worked with David a lot on some music video stuff. He's done some commercials. And once and again, to the credit of our partners, that particular crowd, they're our main partner. Like I said, they had been developing the script. They were like, you guys should go produce it. I remember I had the conversation of like, well, how do you feel about a first time feature director? And they were very open to it. They, look, they wanted to definitely talk to David and, and kind of get a sense of his reel. But in, in the same way, they were like, hey, Billy's a first time feature writer. Like they really much embraced like, um, let's go find the best people. Um, I presented some directors for sure that had a better, or at least, you know, they'd done some feature films, but they they never really got on me. They trusted uh, our team because we'd made a few films by then. Hey, we're signing up with you guys as a production company. If you feel this is best, like, you know, we'll do it. Like I said, it was a, it was a joint co-finance, co-production deal. So we both had skin in the game also. And look, I think when it came, I was talking with Andy uh, just backstage, like, you worked with the Hideout guys a long time ago on, on their first, I think, uh, their first feature way back then. I wasn't around then, right?
6: Yeah, like 2010. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah,
5: um, this was very much finding partners. Like we were talking about the composer Jordan. He'd worked on Old Henry. He's actually scoring Hideout's new film right now, Providence. Uh, that's a much bigger film. That's sort of a Coen Brothers comedy with like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lily James, Jim Gaffigan, Tim Blake Nelson, and a huge cast. So. It very much was like we have a group of people, and and I don't mean this in a bad way. Billy's the outsider in a way, but she was the one that started. We had a great script, and we're all like, "Let's do this." And so, with David, like, it, it, there was another director we talked to, and and everyone's just like, "No, he's got it." Like, it was, it was that, and, and David's like a real soft-spoken guy. I remember the first time I did a Zoom with him? My comment was, "I was like." hey man, like, can we get him some Red Bull or something? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, And we put him in front of the particular crowd people and they're like, he's great. Because he wasn't, I think in a way, trying to do the Hollywood thing of like over pitch. Sure. He was just like, yeah, this is what I do. He's a very self-spoken, very quiet guy. And I was like, great, good, let's sort of do it. Um, and I was like, are you crazy enough to do it on this schedule? And um, the budget, and Billy was reminding me of this, the budget we increased um, because we wanted some things to feel bigger um, I didn't want to make this as like a super low budget indie. I'm not saying we're a $20 million film, but I, I think there are a lot of indies that do a disservice when they're trying to do it for too little. Um, like I think, and, and Billy, you can tell me this. I think in in the script when I got it from you, it was just like we're at the store, and that was it. And I was like, well, we kind of kind of know what like these characters are. Um, we found an amazing location, the cave, which I don't know if that was in the script or not, but.
0: They definitely, well, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, they definitely went below. <laughs> okay. But we didn't have, I mean, it was just, it was me just trying to be creative. You know, there's single location and there's like, uh, okay, we've seen this, are we just going to repeat it for the second half, you know? Um, so I was trying to find creative ways and then just everything has felt so serendipitous, you know? because then locations were coming up and I think in a very early draft when I was living in the Midwest we had this awesome huge like uh, historic village that would do this massive Halloween um, fright night thing for like a week leading up to Halloween so it was set there and then they had me completely take it out, but I think I was able to bring it back in a sense with this, with the cinema, create that same vibe of building up to Halloween without being, you know, straight away in the store. So you know,
5: we shot was... the movie in Rome, Georgia, and we definitely tried to cater it. You probably never went to Rome; you didn't even know where we were shooting. Or you, we showed you pictures, but our big concern when we were shooting it, I was like, "Is it going to snow? Is it going to not look like autumn?" Because oh, yeah. I think we were shooting from. When did you get done, Andy? When was the last day?
6: Uh, the last day was in January. And right. We, and we started... Um, before Thanksgiving. We, yeah, we started right before Thanksgiving. So we made sure to shoot out all of our exterior, you know, colorful fall leaves before they were gone. You know? It was a big
5: worry. I was like, if this looks like it's winter or kids not trick-or-treating, it would look weird. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot trying to put the team together. And like I said, the main company's based out of Nashville. Um, so a lot of people came because Rome, Georgia from Nashville is not terribly far Um, but it was a lot of people that we were like the stunt coordinator we'd worked with on the previous film he was on our new film Um, and look I think that's a lot of independent productions you got to rely on sort of your team Uh, people that have worked with us in the past and and we found that but there were like I said a lot of great new people which we'll talk about maybe after we see the promo. but like we for sure were scaling up a little bit you know like We'd, never, we'd all talked about wanting to make a nice family friendly sort of film like this but we'd never done it uh, so even that like I said we'd come off of two sort of heavy dramas uh, and then the film afterward we're doing sort of like I said a Coen Brothers art house comedy so this was very much uh, our partners that particular crowd and Billy where we we're just like let's do it seems like a good idea and it didn't blow up in my face, so it's
4: great. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, take us behind the curtain for a second here. Will we be seeing monsters and creatures in, in costumes and w- with characters, practical effects, or will it be visual effects or, combination or both? It's a
5: combination of both? It's definitely a combination of both in the sense that with the Spirit Halloween team, in a good way, like they, they gave me like 20 different sort of quote monsters of animatronic characters because in the story it is... Um, Uh, I'm trying to remember which Christopher
6: Christopher Lloyd character. Alec. Alec Windsor.
5: His spirit inhabits all these different animatronic characters. So, what you see is at first you see the spirit Halloween animatronic characters, um, which are just animatronic characters. Then they sort of get possessed and turn into real things. We didn't have a ton of visual effects because we, I think, we're trying to be a little old school. We wanted to do it all real, all practical. Um, we thought that would have a better effect, and Andy, you can talk about that—the differences we were shooting on that.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that was the—that uh, was the goal the entire time: that they're reacting to actual things that are in the room, that lights hitting actual things, and they're moving through the space. And it just—it's yeah, just such a different um, aesthetic when it's actually happening um, in front of the camera. So that was—that was the the goal. To, and,
5: know, and it was a big deal because. Look, I think Andy did with lighting and all that and what David were trying to do. You know, you've got to make these things look scary. They can't just sort of look like animatronic characters and when they come to life, like, you know, we I think we did some fun things with Nightcrawler. He's one of the characters. Um, look, even the, there's a character, Teddykins, that I think we did some fun stuff with. Look, is there some visual effects elements of maybe their lights or their eyes turn a certain color? For sure, but, like, we wanted it to feel real. And, and like I said, we're not trying to make a horror film and I'm... I'm no fan of, like, heavy visual effects where it just, it just... And that was something in a particular crowd, they always would say, hey, less is more. Like, you know, we're not a huge budget, so don't try and do something that's going to look silly, um, which was really important to us. And then, Andy, what would you say would be kind of the, I guess, the
3: personality and the look and feel that you kind of envision for this film as cinematographer, the personality of the camera, so to speak? What did you kind of want it to tell Sure.
6: Like? I mean, I think David and I, we just trade images back and forth. Uh, you know, we call it throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, if, if, if it doesn't, you know, it's it's good to sort of figure out what it isn't and whittle it down to what it is. So, um, like, a, a big visual sort of uh, uh, inspiration for us was the, the 82 Poltergeist, mm. you know, um, I think some of our finale, we kind of wear it on our sleeve in there, and 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 also just kind of the ensemble movies of of the '80s. Um, the, the Amblin stuff, I think, is a good is a good uh, is a good note because um, a lot of those had just the, a great sort of grounded in in some sort of a real. Family. Sure. Like Monster Squad Goonies, Goonies kind of Monster, stuff, yeah. Monster Squad Goonies and yeah, that type of stuff.
1: So I was just gonna go back to the characters. Was anything created specifically for this film that was new to Spirit? Like that Spirit's gonna offer a costume or an animatronic?
5: I, I don't know if I wanna say that yet. Like I, I'll I'll say there are three main characters that are Spirit Halloween characters that we've been running we've been revealing this week uh, on social media. There's a separate one that I, I would say we created, to be honest. And then in the finale, not to give it away, there are a lot of characters that are going to show up from the Spirit Halloween world, stuff we created uh, in the third act. And maybe we just don't go deep, frankly, into who and what they are. Uh, but, it, but it's a wide range of stuff. Like I said, I remember when, uh, when we figured out our Spirit Halloween deal, um, they, they shipped over like literally truckloads of different material props and for us to use, uh, because they were our partner, that it wasn't like a brand. You yeah. know? So they were like, here's what you can use, and, and now it almost felt like too much. I don't know, Andy, if you saw all, and the climax, you know what I'm talking about, were they...
6: Yeah, yeah, just boxes full of anything, you know, anything you can grab. Yeah.
5: It, it's a good partnership, look, they obviously are trying to push their store, I'm trying to push a movie, um, and we were trying to listen to fans as well about what would work well, and what looked well on camera, because there for sure were somewhere I was like, well, that'll just look stupid. Yeah. Um, and you see them in the movie, but they don't come alive because we had to make a choice of like what's going to look and look cool in sort of this environment of these kids running around. Yeah. And as as far as the writing those characters
3: into the script, Billy, like did you find out after the fact that, um, you know, there's this other world of characters that you might not have been familiar with and creatures that you can incorporate into the script? Did you go back and kind of write them into it and kind of tweak what was already there? Or did you already kind of have your experience at Spirit and pick things out that you wanted to bring alive?
0: Well, in very early drafts, um, I was using like some of the old school Spirit stuff. Like I think there was like Swamp Hag and all these ones. And, and people would tell me, even when I started you know, doing well on the contest circuit and I'd get in rooms people, you know the first thing you have to do is get rid of all these like brand names, sure. own, your owned animatronics. I'm like, oh well I'll leave them in for now. I kind of like them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when a particular crowd got a hold of it, that was one of the first things I me do: make them generic, don't reference anything that's to do with anything. But then, when Spirit came on board, I was able to then write them back. But I was then told, like this: we had the basic idea of like this is how this looks on the page. Right. What's similar, and then I will we'll put Nightcrawler in this spot. And so I did a rewrite, saying like this character was replaced with Nightcrawler. This one was with Mister Dark. Do you know, um, I think so these have cool. all been. I'm not giving that's anything fine. away. You can <laughs> say that. that's fine. We revealed it the other day. Um, <laughs> Buzzsaw, yeah, some pretty cool stuff. And that's when I got funks. I'm like, I can actually use these so I can, you know, I had a, had a bit of a pick and it was fun, yeah.
3: Sure, sure. Well, I mean, should we roll the sizzle reel? Do
5: you think I think we made it. We yeah. sure? yeah.
3: yeah. All right, so we're going to roll the sizzle reel.
5: You want something really creepy? How about a
1: night locked in here? Pop a Halloween store in a creepy lot? Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Final notice. Spirit that can't let go of his life? Possibly someone had died here. Alec Winston. We're doing something Saturday. The three of us, best holiday of the year, just like always. It'll be wicked.
4: You guys are serious losers, you know that? (laughs) The boys aren't here, they're all opposed.
1: Oh! (laughs) Was that there before
0: ask the right questions you'll get the right answers is
1: alec windsor roaming tonight are you too serious
2: ah! Ah! hi oh my god who my we Oh my we, we, we what's happening what? the store
1: trying to kill us for one hour in the anniversary of their death they can possess things or people ah! the girlfriend is a little scary ah! seriously
2: All
3: right, that was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 339. Thanks to our special guests, Billy Bates, Andy Kugler, and Noor Ahmed, live from Long Beach, California at Midsummer Scream. I'm not sure what number it is. Sixth? Fifth? I don't know. It's been not so long, right? I have been doing it for like 20 years or anything. Yeah. But it's grown exponentially ever since they have been doing it, and it's one of our absolute faves. So at time of release, Spirit Halloween, the movie, is available on VOD October 11th. Production tracks for this episode provided by our friends at Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trevor, Lauren, and Leo
1: saying... Sweet screams.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creator Part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. The bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the
0: Boo Crew for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com/podcasts.